Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Define University podcast, a space designed for educators to ignite your passion, transform your mindset, and learn to love who you are in the process. My name is Lindsay Titus, and I am here to share simple yet strategic steps each week with you to build your momentum into creating a life full of purpose and passion. The time is now. Let's dive on in to today's episode. Welcome back, everyone, to another brand new episode of the Define University podcast and another edition of the Share Your Story series. So excited to dive into a conversation today with our guest. Uh, It's Mandy Freilich. And so if you are not yet connected with her, get ready. We are going to dive into an amazing episode today, and I can't wait for you to uh, connect with her in the future as well. Uh, so without further ado, let's dive in. Mandy, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for sure, because to, to, you do such awesome things. You do so many awesome things, and I've, I've been excited to bask in your awesomeness. So thank you for having me. Uh, thank you so much. I know we've been, you know, I've known, I've known, you know, the Mandy, right? You are like the Mandy to me. Uh, when I hear that, and I think we connected probably about a year ago. I feel like that's like my time frame for so many of the connections that I have made. It really has been since last May. Um, you know, the first couple months of closure, I was kind of in my like own world still. Like, okay, I'm I'm gonna figure this out. I had my daughter here with me at home. We were we were working through it together. And right around May, I was like, mm, something's got to give. I can't I can't do this anymore. And so I really started connecting and building my own network. And um, and so I'm so grateful that we have connected and that you're going to be sharing your amazing story with us here today. Uh, so for people that may not be familiar with you, can you give just a little bit of like, who is the Mandy Freilich? <laughs> well, first of all, please drop the, because I feel like you know, there are actually other Mandy Freilichs that legitimately, oh. like you can, one of them's like a personal trainer, like you can, you can find them. There are other ones. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I was an elementary educator and a second grader. I recently retired um, from the districts as a director of innovation and technology. Um, loved being loved being in school districts, but found that my passion and uh, you know my my roots were really in ed tech. My passion was in mental health, um, and I wasn't able to dive into my passion quite as much as a tech director because I was pigeonholed as a tech director who doesn't they don't talk about feelings things. <laughs> So I had to kind of separate myself from that. And I've been doing consulting for many years and, and um, really wanted to dive further into that mental health piece. And so I had retired from the district and I've been uh, consulting ever since. And, um, you know, it was a blessing in disguise, uh, not, it wasn't a blessing in disguise. It was a blessing when I did it even because the pandemic was right down the road and I was able to really support uh, districts um, through that and, and teachers through that pandemic as well. So, um, and as you know, educator mental health is, is really my passion area. My, um, you know, somebody asked me the other day, what, like, what really is your purpose? Like, what is it really? And I said, I just want to help people heal. Honestly, that's really like when it really comes down to it, like I have this fancy, I want to support educators because I support when I support educators, I best support students. And that's all true. But when it comes down to it, I really just want to support humans in healing. And so um, that's part kind of what I do. Oh, I love it so much. And I, there's a big piece of that, that I, that I resonated with. And that's, you know, when I started out in, I started out in classroom about 15 years ago, I was a self-contained special education teacher. 
And I quickly realized that I, I loved the behavior aspect with my students. I wasn't so into the academic content and all that. I really wanted to dive deep into the behavior. And as I went through my schooling, you know, it was all about observable behavior, observable behavior. What do you see? What do you see? And it was about maybe like five, three, four years ago that I was like, okay, but I'm missing a big piece of the puzzle when I'm only looking at what I can see. Because so much of what the student is doing comes from inside of the student, comes from their thoughts and their emotions. And so, you know, I had this narrow focus of, okay, I'm a behavior analyst. This is how I, this is how we do things. And I started questioning, like, no, (laughs) I know there's a big piece of this puzzle. And I realized I wasn't going to help be able to help anybody else figure out that missing puzzle. If I didn't, if I hadn't found it for myself first, I started doing all the inner work and I realized how important emotions are. (laughs) And, you know, it seems like silly and simple, but it was, it was the light bulb moment for me of man, everything I had been doing at outside of myself was, was a step. But until I started to actually look within and figure out where's all this coming from? Well, now I understand myself a whole lot better, but I also connect with my students a whole lot faster. And yeah. so it was being able to reframe how important emotions and these internal events are And luckily for me, even the field, the field that I work with in the behavior analysis field is starting to embrace that. We're starting to open up and break down those barriers and say, okay, the whole person involves the inner person too. And so, you know, I definitely connected with that. Um, You know, behaviors, behaviors are really just a symptom of what's happening inside. So like the study of behavior is like, um, you know, it's like only studying the outcome without ever trying to find the root of what's happening. And um, so like, if you, if you look at behaviors as a result of what's happening internally, um, it, it just, it leads you down that path. You have to look at what's happening internally. You have to be more of a, a you know, um, psychologist, psychiatrist, emotions expert, you know, and, and I love what you said about how I had to start looking inside. There's so many times people will say to me, well, how do I start? how do I stop this feeling? Like, how do I stop this feeling both within myself? How do I stop this feeling within my students? How do I make my administrator stop doing things to me? You know, like it's, it's all of this kind of thing. It's like, you have to fix yourself inside first. You, you legitimately cannot teach students, uh, emotional regulation. If you cannot regulate your emotions because they are feeding off from you that entire time they are getting that. So until you start to look at how to heal yourself, which starts with understanding yourself and then understanding emotions and then understanding healing um, until you start doing those things, you, it's, you are going to be, uh, you know, what is, is that Sisyphus, the guy who's rolling the big, you know, you're going to continue, but you're just going to keep rolling because it's never, you know, it's never going to get anywhere because you have, you have to, uh, you know, you have to address those emotions and your own stuff first. Yeah, absolutely. I, I often relate to, I call it the merry-go-round effect, right? So you think about a merry-go-round, you're going to try all the things. You're going to sit on all the horses. Maybe this <laughs> one's better. Maybe this one. I'm going to sit in the sled today. I don't feel like moving, right? Yeah. But you're ultimately going in a big circle, right? That's yeah. all you're doing. You might have a little bit of different viewpoints. You might go up a little bit, down a little bit, but you're not until you're willing to step off the merry-go-round and say, who am I? What do I believe in? What do I desire? What do I even want? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you're absolutely right. We don't get there. And I know yeah. for me, 
I blamed the classroom for a long time. I blamed mm-hmm. the classroom for my burnout. When I actually thought about it though, and I started doing this work, I was, I say I was burnt out of life even before I stepped foot in a classroom because right. I didn't know as a kid how to regulate my emotions. I knew how to stuff them. I knew how to forget about them. I knew how to push them down and fake it, but mm-hmm. I didn't know how to own it. And so you know, I had this mindset of, oh, it's the classroom that did this to me. And it, once I opened it up, I said, no, this was, this is just me. Like, it's not about blaming. It's not about those pieces. Um, so if you have, you know, if you're working with educators that are kind of in that mindset of, you know, I want to help other people, but really it's, it's kind of turning the mirror, right. And helping them see themselves. What is that, you know, first kind of step someone can do to really understand who they who they are through through your eyes? Like, what is it that they can do? Yeah, and and it, so that go, there's so many things under like the resilience category, right? I mean, and and one of them that I think has gotten almost a bad rap over the course of the pandemic is the self care thing. Like, pe- some people are like, I am so sick of hearing the word self-care. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that. I think exactly is just the analogy that you said, when you start to have to turn that mirror back on yourself um, and, and take a look at what you're doing and own some of the pieces of what's happening. Like I, I kind of went through that, the same thing that you did. And I, you know, I find that people who are very self-aware go through something like that. It's like that moment where you're like, holy cow, I'm kind of the source of a lot of my issues. Like that's very humbling. And that's very like, you know, and, and I want to say heartbreaking because I don't know if that's quite, but, but there's also power in that. Like there's power in understanding that you are the cause of some of your issues, because if you're the cause, you can fix it. Like how awesome is that? You're not relying on somebody else to fix you because nobody can fix us. We can only fix ourselves. And, um, and I love your merry-go-round analogy. I think that's brilliant. And, um, but I think the the turning of the mirror is the first step people have to take. You have to take a look at yourself. You know, I even um, people will say, well, tell me how to practice mindfulness with my kids. Nope, not until you learn how to practice mindfulness yourself. If you cannot meditate, if you cannot mindfully color, if you cannot do some of those practices, if you cannot stay in the present, do not try and teach children how to do it because, you know, you, you can't, you can't do it yourself. You have to be able to do that stuff yourself. And, and so I think the first step is really building that, um, that emotional intelligence, that self-awareness, that unpacking the boxes of emotions that you've, that you've held in. And because that's really common too, like we do that to kids all the time. We say, well, stop crying. Don't, don't be frustrated, you know, cause we, we feel bad for them. We do, we want to fix them and you can only fix yourself. And so instead of saying to them, oh my gosh, that looks like frustration. Tell me what that feels like. Oh, that does sound like frustration. That's what it's called. Now, how can we work through that frustration? It's okay that you feel it. Um, you know, it's don't feel guilty about that. That's a natural human emotion. Like instead of having those kinds of conversations, we say, oh my gosh, stop feeling frustrated. Oh my gosh, stop being mad. You know, things like that. And so they take those emotions and they package them up just like we did. And they put a nice little bow on them and, and shove them down. And they never learn how to deal with them. And so now they get to our, you know, age. And at some point they say, holy crap, I have an entire storage locker of these emotions that I've, I've boxed up. And now I have to unpackage them um, because we never learned to deal with them in the first place. And so a lot of people want me to say something very practical. Like they want me to say, well, 
if you meditate once a day for five minutes, you are going to get better. Meditation is going to help you. If you practice gratitude and write things, three things down a day, you're going to get better. That's going to help as well. But when it really comes down to it, the first thing you have to do is you have to look at yourself and you have to be willing to say, wow, that part of me might need to change. How am I going to unpack that and, and grow from it and learn and be better? Um, and that's what makes talking about mental health and burnout and demoralization, all those things so difficult is that there is no one answer. Um, there's, I can give you strategies. You can choose from them. Um, you know, I can tell the administration to take stuff off your plate. I can give them strategies to, um, you know, look at what their, what initiatives they have, count them up. I mean, I've been in districts that have like 53 ongoing initiatives at once. Um, that's not healthy for anybody, including the administrators. Uh, I can do all those things, but when it comes down to it, it's exactly what you said. You have to be willing to turn the mirror and, and do something about the things that are inside you. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't, I'm sitting here like shaking my head, you know, obviously people can't see, but you know, shaking my head because I often run into similar, um, I, I don't know really what I call them challenges, but people will say, what do I do? Right. How do I solve this problem? And I'm like, well, you know, my answer is, well, it depends. And nobody loves that answer, but I'm like, I can't tell you there's no script, you know, whether right. it's student behavior, our own behavior, whatever it is, because like I say, if there was a script, you would have already found it because we're really right. good at searching on the internet. We can yeah. find <laughs> any strategy, you know, if you type yeah. any question, you're going to, you're bound to get a million responses in less than a second. Like, it's not hard to find the strategies, which is why too, when I coach, when I work with people, I tell them, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get a list of strategies. Do this to feel better because right. there's nothing to do. It's, it's flipping it, right? It's feeling mm -hmm. it first. So then the things you're doing, you're doing with the emotions you want to bring forward. Right. And, you know, I think it is something as simple as staring at yourself in the mirror for a minute. And what thoughts come up, what feelings come up. I know the first few times I did that, I grew up not loving the mirror. I grew up, you know, with, with a mom that didn't love the mirror. Therefore, I saw, oh, we don't love the mirror. I now love the mirror. I do mirror time with my daughter because I, but I had to buy into it first. I couldn't try and teach her to love who she sees in the mirror if I wasn't living it myself. Mm -hmm. So I think that whole, you know, I think the whole process of this is something we practice each and every day. It's mm -hmm. not something to read one book and you're good to go. Right. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's exactly. And I, I actually went through that with reignite the flames, which I shouldn't, I, it's not funny, but is I, it was, a. Um, an aha moment for me that people came to me and said, um, I, I read your book and I'm not unburnt out. And I was like, what now? Like, you don't read a book and get unburnt out. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you know, that, that's, that's how that works. And, and it never dawned on me that I don't think I was clear enough in the book that these, I, like, I, I was very clear that these are strategies that I used to help get better, but I never made it clear that my healing process took at least three years. And, and it was like, you know, sometimes some days it was like one step forward, two steps back. And sometimes I grew by leaps and bounds and then took another five steps back, you know, and it was, it was, um, sometimes it was counseling and sometimes it was doing things like before I started to heal, I can legitimately say I didn't really have friends 
that wasn't a thing because I didn't take the time to prioritize something like that. So when something really bad happened to me, I didn't have a lot of people to turn to. And, and that was a problem. You know, that was something I had to look in the mirror and say, why isn't that a priority for you? Like, why, why isn't that a thing you need support? Um, and so that was actually how, uh, the, ed- the educators match book was born was that people said, well, I read your book and I'm, I'm still burnt out. And I, I was like, oh, okay. But it wasn't supposed to unburn you out. Like that was supposed to happen, but I'll write another book to help you out. So educators match book is like, a, um, it's more like a workbook. And I really count it as the first very like very first step in getting ready to start healing and it's a 14 week book so when you think about that from the standpoint of you know and and that was very intentional because i i wanted people to know like you can get better by looking at some of these strategies and using them but it takes time it's not something and and we're going to see this after the pandemic um you know this it is going to take um if we go back in the fall and things start to fall into place again if that's the case i believe that it's going to get worse before it gets better because some of the trauma feelings that educators have been holding in that they've boxed up during the pandemic are going to start to come out and we're going to have to work through those and then i think at that point is when we are going to start to heal. And I think that's a a piece people are missing going into this next year, because I think they think, well, it's going to get semi back to normal. It's going to be so much better. And, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I do think that we have to be prepared for the next year to be like emotionally, um, maybe charged might be the word. Um, taxing for some, it's going to be a growth year for others, uh, dependent upon that mirror and how they, if they turn it and when they turn it. Uh, but it's going to be, it's going to need to be a healing year. Um, and that's going to need to be something that we focus on. Yeah, I love it. And I love that you really put the emphasis, you know, it is moving away from, from being burnt out, right? That is, that is a goal, but I love that you spun it and it's really moving towards healing. Right. So mm-hmm. instead of running away from something, right, I look at it. What am I going towards? What's my goal? Right. Am I, what am I looking? You know, I look at the growth, not necessarily the gap. I know the gaps right. are there. I understand that. I have things I'm growing every day, but I don't look at it as I don't have something. I look at it as I'm, I'm getting something right. I'm getting closer. And so right. I think right. even just that mindset of this is the year to heal, that is mm-hmm that it is okay to own that and understand that I, this is a process. And this is something mm-hmm. that you're not alone. You're not in it alone, you know, utilize those resources and, and yes, utilize strategies, but the strategies that align to you, you know, when you were talking about your book, I was thinking about, I've had people reach out. I'm a very big proponent of the morning routine, right? My morning routine is one of the pieces that truly changed my, my life in that it changed my, the standard that I, I can serve myself so I can serve others. Sure. But I have people reach out and say, I tried and did what you did and it didn't work. And I said, well, of course not. Cause that was what, that's what worked for me on that day. You've yeah. got to personalize it for you. Like, what is it? And my, my morning routine shifts pretty frequently now, you know, now it's more the routine as I wake up, what does my body need? Because I'm so in tune with it. What does my mind need? What does my body need? What is it that, that I desire? And so, and I have options, right? I know which activities 
lead to those feelings. So I'm ready to start my day, but it's not, I don't ever want someone just to become me or do what works for me. That might be Mm -hmm. your starting point. You might try it, but if it's, Mm -hmm. that's where I think reflection is so key because you've got to have that, the time to think about, did that get me closer, right? right? To what it was that I was looking for. Right. And I think that's, that's such a, it's such an important distinction because people will see where you are and people will see where I am. And they, first of all, they only get this moment in time with us, how we're feeling today, which may or may not be a really bad day, (laughs) but we're doing a podcast. So that day gets put aside and we focus on the podcast. Um, but they don't see that. They see that we're talking about coming back from burnout. They see where we, we are. They, they see that we're, we're happy and we're laughing and we're doing that kind of stuff. And they think, why can't I do that? And they don't understand that you worked for a a huge amount of time in order to grow that practice, in order to get to that ultimate place where you are, um, where you can say, I have a list of strategies that I know off the top of my head. And I've listened to my body well enough that I know I can do these things. And I have worked through that emotional baggage enough to know that that's not holding me back in this space. And, and people don't understand that that's a journey that doesn't just happen overnight. Um, and it also has to, and I agree too, that you can try things that other people have done. And my book is very similar to that, right? Like I can, I can only say what I did that worked for me. You can take any amount of that or none of it and it could work for you. (laughs) So those are just ideas because it's so personal. You cannot tell people how to do it. Um, and, and so I, I, um, I think that that's brilliant and it, it really is it's the end, it's the end game that you're, that you're discussing. And the only reason you can talk about the end game is because you've been through it and you've already done it, you know? So like you went through the work already and now have the ability to talk about, about it with people. And I think that that's so important. Yeah. Uh, so, so true. And so I'm thinking about, so you had mentioned, you know, one of the things you noticed, you know, during your journey was that, you know, you really didn't have that, that friendship priority, right? Like, and why was that? And I think one of the things that we forget, or at least I'm just going to say, I, I forgot, even as I was going through my journey is that there's so many of these domains, right? There's health, there's mental health, there's physical health, mental health, friendships, leisure activities, uh, work, career, finance, right? There's all these domains that make up who we are. And so I know for myself, I was, I was all work all the time. That was, I woke up working and I went to bed working. So that's all I knew. I knew to work hard. So people would like you, you'd have a good life X, Y, and Z, right? Yep. Then I met my husband. So that added another layer. Then we have, we have a daughter who's turning seven next week. And so that added a layer, right? Mm-hmm. And I realized stuff started to needed to change. And I remember when I was working with a coach, the hardest question that I ever got asked, <laughs> it's even like embarrassing to share was, what do you do for fun? Mm-hmm. And I could not answer that question, right? Wow. I, because everything I named related to either my, my day job as a behavior specialist or Define University, right? And yeah. yes, I do love both. They both do bring me joy. But when you talk about like just pure fun, that's like laughter, like good for the soul. I nothing. I couldn't come up with anything. So, you know, I'm guessing, you know, or I'm hoping maybe I'm not alone in that, that you've heard that before. Um, And so I know, you know, and I am happy to share what I did, but I'm just wondering, you know, if you are talking with educators, you're working with educators that are kind of in that boat where they're like, I just don't know what I even like. You know, I know to find joy and I know to try and find happiness, but I don't know what brings me those things. 
what do you, what would you share with them or how would you guide them to, again, looking within themselves to find that? Yeah. Um, so I had almost uh, like the exact same experience, except I was on a podcast. And so my answer was being recorded. <laughs> they said to me, and I wish, I wish I could remember which podcast it was. It might've been like teachers on fire or something. I don't remember. Um, but they said to me, what do you do for fun? And I'm not even kidding. My answer was, um, I work outside and even they were thrown off. They're like, you work outside. And I'm like, yeah, in the sun, like that just legitimized everything I said. Well, it was the sun is out there. So I'm working. So of course it's fun. Um, and I was so incredibly embarrassed, so embarrassed when I listened back to that podcast, I thought to myself, I can't believe I didn't at least prepare a lie for that, for that question, you know, like have something to say. And, um, but I think it, it really happened for a reason to bring to my attention that, Hey, what the heck was going on? Like I was talking to people about being burnt out and all of this kind of stuff. And I couldn't even talk about what I did for fun. Like that's, that's sort of pathetic and ridiculous. And I was super embarrassed. And, and honestly, it's nothing to be embarrassed about because it happens all the time, I think. Um, but what I found when once, you know, once I got to that point and I started looking back, I realized that I was, um, I had, uh, I had gotten married and, and had kids very young. And I worked through my bachelor's degree and two master's degree raising four kids. And I, I didn't honestly have time for me anymore is what it boiled down to, or it didn't take time for me more. Um, you know, it was soccer practice and baseball practice and dance lessons. And, and it was trying to, you know, I, I would, um, I would work all day and then I, you know, I would teach all day once I got my bachelor's degree and then I would go home and I would drive my kids all over the place and I'd feed them and I'd put the, I, you know, I'd put them to bed and then I would work on my master's degree until whatever was done needed to be done. And I did that for years and years and years. And I lost who I was in that. And so if you said to me what I like to do, I could say to you, well, when I was in high school, I loved to this, 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 and this, but I couldn't give you anything when I was an adult and the things that I loved in high school, I couldn't do anymore. I love to ride horses. We don't own horses, you know, like I couldn't even go back to doing those things. And, um, so it does go back a little bit. Um, the, what I've boiled it down to, because some people would say, well, you just have to have more fun. Um, I don't, I actually don't think it's that easy. I actually, I don't think it's as easy as self-care either. Um, even that's a piece of it. What I actually think it is, is it at the root of it, it's an identity issue. Um, you have legitimately forgotten who you are because you have tied yourself up so tightly with everything else around you. And I think it's really, um, it's really evident with teachers in particular because if you ask them who they are within their top three answers, they are probably going to say teacher or educator. Um, you know, they're going to, they might say spouse if they, if they're, you know, if they have that, they might say children if they have that. Um, but educator is going to be in those top three. And when you are an educator, and, and if you look at any of those roles, actually, if you look at spouse, children, or uh, educator, all of them are about giving yourself over to somebody else. None of them about are about recognizing who you are. And so how, how often is it when somebody says to you, 
who are you? You say, I'm a water skier, <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. Like you don't, you don't define yourself by the things that you love. You define yourself by the, by who you are to somebody else. And so that really is, um, that's an issue because you forget who you are in that process. And um, so I, I think um, at the root cause of that, it is an identity issue. And those, those issues, um, when you start looking at identity, then you get into some odd things too, because some people identify with the negative parts of who they are so tightly that it's hard to let go and find those positive things. So once you get, once you actually boil down, you're like, oh my gosh, it is an identity issue. Then all of a sudden, you know, kind of like you said about doing near time, then all of a sudden, well, I identify as a fat person or I identify, you start to identify with these negative things. So then you have to look at your actual identity. Like what are the positive things you identify with? Then what are the fun things you like to do often those positive things that you identify with um, and, you know, work on that negative self-talk too. So there's so much to that. That is not just about finding something fun. And um, those are, you know, and I, I know, Lindsay, I know, I know you just from having these conversations with you, I know you understand this. That's so much work, yeah. so much work and time mm -hmm. and and not everybody has that level of commitment and everybody has that self-awareness to be able to do those types of things. And I think that that's why the information like you doing in this podcast or me going out and doing my sessions and are you going out and presenting at sessions and working with districts? It's so important because the, 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 the biggest gift that we can give to people is actually the information for them to take and use themselves. Um, and so that's why I think it's so important. Oh, I love that. I love that answer because again, it, you went in, right. It's, it's another example that, yes, I could think about, um, and that was actually the question when I, when I was asked it and I said, I don't know that I don't know what I do for fun. And they said, you know, that my coach said, well, what did you do when you were a little kid? Like, what did you do for fun? And I couldn't even answer that. I go, <laughs> I don't know. Right. Like I, I had totally blocked out and I had a lot of, I, at that time, I had a lot of limiting beliefs to break through about my childhood. And I, <laughs> I just remember, like, I don't know. I'm like, I did things I was good at, not because they were fun. Right. I had this perfectionistic quality yep. within me. And so, but I realized, and so I, what, what I had then done when I realized this, like, oh, wait, I don't do anything for fun. Um, and I did, I made it about doing things. So then I went out and tried things, but then I was like, well, this is wasting my time. What am I, why don't I need to be doing that? I should be there. And, you know, and it, that didn't work either. And so, and then again, I was grateful for the work I had started to do because I caught on really quickly, like, oh, I'm back on the merry-go-round. I'm back on trying to do these things to find fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. And really, it was exactly what you talked about. When you asked me to list my identities or somebody asked me, I was lucky if I made it on the list, even like I'm Lindsay, right? Is even on the mm -hmm. list because it was, I'm a teacher, I'm a, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, mm -hmm. I'm a daughter. Like it was everything I was to other people. And now when someone asks me that, I, I will laugh and it's usually I'm Lindsay. Or I'm me, right? <laughs> that is like my go-to answer now. And then I will tell you all that makes me me, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that shift, it, it, it did. It took time. It took a lot of time. And I think it's an important piece to share. And it's something I routinely tell the educators I work with. I have been on my process now, my journey, my you know self-proclaimed journey for four years now. You know, and I'm learning more every single day. And so this is not, you know, anything that... I did in a week or in a four week course or, you know, this, or, you know, one product got this, but it's everything I've done. 
right? Every success I've had and every mistake I've made has brought me to this moment, which is the moment it's all about. And so, you know, I just love, I loved what you, you know, shared with that, that it really is about the identity. And, and not only brings you to this moment, but brings you to this imperfect moment. Because I think that's something like if I could, you know, people often say, if I can just get here, it's going to be so much better. Nope. You're going to get there. There's going to be just as many issues. You just have to deal with those when you get there, you know? Um, and you know, I, I feel like I have a a pretty decent self-awareness, but that self-awareness, like building that self-awareness has brought me to a point where I'm like, I have, I have really bad body issues. Like I, the way that I look at myself in the mirror and the way that I think about myself and the way that I identify, I identify my body. Um, that's a problem. And so my self-awareness and my healing has really highlighted areas that I, I you know, I I've always loved that there's a spiritual term called shadow work. And I've always loved that. I, cause I'm like that that sounds like it's like the dark pieces of you that you have to work through, not the dark pieces you ignore, the dark pieces you have to walk through that shadow in order to get to the other side, because, you know, with, without darkness, there's no light. And so it really is, it's about working through those. And, and so I have worked worked myself aware and I, I, I am in this moment. It's an imperfect moment because I still struggle with body issues. I still struggle with not overworking and, and being the workaholic that I'm like pulled to be. I, I, I still struggle with my temper sometimes. And I use sarcasm as a defense mechanism. Like I know all these things and I am always working through them. And, um, and so I think understanding that whatever moment you're in, it's, you're not made to be perfect, um, is really an important piece too. Yeah. I love that. And I, I constantly try and share as much of that as I can, because I know, you know, again, so much of what we do nowadays is virtual or is, even if it's not virtual, even, you know, I think like at work or with my friends, it's, they see that moment. Like we talked about before, they see this moment. They don't see the tears that were just shed in the, in the car because a song came on and I thought of my mom and I immediately went to last Christmas Eve when she passed away. Like they don't see that. They see me walking in, smile on my face, ready to go to conquer the day, whatever it might be. And so I think it's just, again, that, that reminder to see, we only see what we're seeing through the lens we're looking in that very moment with the information we have. And so it's, it's so important to me to, to share with people when I'm not having a high energy day, when, you know, I am grieving, when I'm so frustrated with my daughter for the eighth time, we're late for work because of something, you know, that happened mm-hmm. because those are the moments that make us real. It's yeah. not about, again, putting it in that bow or putting it in the box with the bow on top, because mm-hmm. that's, that's not life. And I tried to make life that way for a long time. I tried mm-hmm. to make it so that everything looked perfect in, in whatever perfection definition I had in my head. And it was pure exhaustion. It was pure exhaustion. And now, you know, now I, I again, that, that self-awareness piece that I'm learning and growing too and realizing, am I, you know, trying to make this, you know, look a certain way because of what I fear people might think, or am I ready to just be like, this is who I am. And every day I'm getting a whole lot closer to just fully owning the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Realizing that all those pieces make me, me. And that's a beautiful thing, regardless of what other people might think, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's such a powerful, that's such a powerful place to, um, you know, powerful place to be is to have those realizations. Absolutely. So, oh my goodness. So we have covered so much, so much amazingness in this episode. I, I am, I've had an entire page of notes that I'm super excited to dive into again um, and just keep learning. So thank you so much, Mandy, for sharing everything with us. Is there any last kind of piece of advice, 
um, thing that you want to make sure, or you wanted to share with the, the listeners today? Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, there's so many with the pandemic and everything, there's, there's so much advice you could give. <laughs> And um, nobody, in, in essence, nobody wants to hear it, right? Because <laughs> we're we're in a pandemic, yeah. <laughs> or at least at the at the tail end of it. Um, but I think that um, I I think that the probably the most important advice I could give is is isn't necessarily anything they haven't heard. This summer needs to be about giving yourself grace and taking time to rest. And um, you know, if your district or if if the media or whoever is throwing the words learning loss at you, let it go. Um, you know, there's there is absolutely nothing good that can come from those two words. Um, everybody in this profession has done you know, almost killed themselves doing the absolute best that they can for the last year and a half. And um like you know, staring in the rearview mirror is only going to get us into a crash. And so the summer really needs to be about um, giving yourself some time to process their emotions from the pandemic. Um, you know, there could be things from people, everything from people passing away that you didn't have time to say goodbye to, um, you know, forgiving, forgiving anything. Uh, I just spoke with a, a friend of mine who's in education and he said, I was the worst teacher ever this year. And I said, no, you were the best teacher ever in a pandemic. And, um, you know, you need to let, you need to let that worst teacher ever go, um, and take time to process through those feelings because they're going to be heavy and you may cry and that's okay, but let it out. I had a counselor that used to say, you have to feel to heal. And this summer I feel is about feeling to healing, um, or feeling to heal. So take time to do that and don't let anyone feel, make you feel guilty about that. That would be my advice. I love it. And it's, I mean, yeah, <laughs> so, so important to use the time to, um, yeah, to feel it and feel all the things I love to share, you know, don't fake it, don't force it, just feel it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you can feel truly feel those emotions, um, they truly get to be in motion, right. And they get yeah. to keep helping you build that momentum. And I think, you know, as, as an educator, that's been in a, in a district all year. Um, yeah. There have been moments of, of pure challenge, of pure yeah. frustration. There have also been so many moments of growth and excitement and compassion and empathy and joy. And, you know, and, and I don't choose to look at one over the other. I choose to look at both because they both mm -hmm. happen. Um, right. But I, you know, I, I too, I plan to, you know, take time this summer. And that is my intention, right? That is my, that is more than a goal. It is, I'm putting plans in action now. You know, I've still got, I think about four weeks to go, but then it's really about redesigning my, my inner mission, my inner purpose. And what is it that I desire most, right? What came out of this year that I want to keep and what came out of this year that I learned no longer serves me. And right. so I think that's, I think it's beautiful advice because I think more and more that people hear it again, again, we've heard it, but we need to keep hearing it so that we can Definitely. keep understanding it to take action. And, and, no, and try like, um, as kind of a follow-up to that for educators, try not to say, I want to say, I am, I am taking the time, not, I want to take the time because want implies that there's still a chance you will, might not do it. Um, you know, set that intention as it's already being done. I am taking time. This is what I'm doing. I took time already, <laughs> whatever it is, however you want to say it, whatever tense it needs to be in for you. Um, but drop the want to actually do it. Oh, yes. Thank you for pointing that out because I probably said want, and I love when people, 
I love catching people's language and I love <laughs> catching mine. <laughs> to be honest, I'm not sure if you did. Okay. I was just thinking about that in terms of defining intention. So I but yes, know but it's you did or not. All right. But yes, it is so it's so important, right? It is so important um, because that is what's gonna, you know, create that that momentum moving forward for you. And it's really going to anchor into that intention. So absolutely pay attention to the language that we are speaking and writing. I notice sometimes when I'm journaling, um, again, not that I want you to go through and like proofread what you're journaling, but I will notice I'm writing a whole bunch of want statements. And I'm like, wait a second. That means that, yeah, I'm declaring what I don't have. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yep. No, it's a mindset of lack. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what um, you are recognizing what you don't have. Don't right. recognize what you don't have. Right. <laughs> what you know you have. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, perfect. All right, Mandy, if people want to stay connected with you, what is the uh, best place or where is the best place, I guess, that they can uh, do that? Sure. So I'm um, at Freelich M on Twitter. So F-R-O-E-H. L-I-C-H-M. Um, most people miss that first H or uh, you can find me at www.divergentedu.com. And honestly, all of the, all of the information, all of the links to, I have a free educator self-care course. I have a mindfulness course. I have, um, you know, my books are on there. Um, bunch of free resources, uh, although I'm growing my free resource bank. So don't judge me when you go there, uh, but there are some and uh, all everything there can be found there. So perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I will, those will be in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Um, Mandy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a blast and I've loved learning um, with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I will be back next week with a brand new episode, same time, same place. So until then, keep on loving who you are, trusting who you are, owning who you are. They will help you define who you are each and every day. I will see you next week. Until then, have an amazing week and I'll talk soon.